0: Hey, um, I'm excited, today's a great day, lots of good things happening, busy day for us on a number of levels. Uh, You might have noticed that we've got some changes in the front of the room, did anybody notice that? (laughs) Unfortunately, if you're watching online right now, you probably noticed that I'm much uglier than you thought I was. Now that I'm in high def, you're like, whoa, good grief. They're going to switch the the audio podcast instead. They're like, I will just listen, I'm not going to watch this thing. Uh, but I'm excited. We've got a number of our team members that have spent a lot of time with this upgrade, just making sure that uh, we can give a great experience to the people that walk in this room, but the people that watch online are going to have the best possible experience as well. And so I'm excited about that. I'm sure we'll talk more about that later, Uh, but let me remind you about a couple things real fast. Uh, Next Sunday, our service times are changing from 10 and 1130 to 930 and 11. Okay. So next Sunday, 930 and 11. Has everybody got it? It's locked in. Okay. 930 and 11 next Sunday. Don't forget. Also want to remind you tonight, if you're a volunteer at this church, if you serve the Summit Church, tonight is our volunteer celebration. And we would love for you to join us and be here tonight at 6 p.m. If you haven't signed up or registered online, you can do that. Go ahead and do that. Stop by the info center or register online at summittogether.com. We're going to have... Clem's Barbecue for you? Oh, people are like, now I wish I volunteered. We're going to have Clem's Barbecue. Every volunteer, every person that shows up is going to walk away with uh, something of value. We're going to give away gift cards to everybody that comes. We're also going to have a number of big prizes we're going to be giving away. So be here tonight, uh, volunteer celebration. It'll be in the back, back in the pavilion. And when it looked like it was going to rain earlier this week, I was praying. I was fasting and praying, God, please don't let it rain. Like We want to have the volunteer celebration out in the... so. God answers prayers. My wife is praying too. It's probably her more than me, but that's okay. And the last thing real quick. Next, I'm sorry, two Sundays from now, we're starting a thing called At The Movies. It's our new series. And before your head explodes, let me explain what this is about. Um, In the month of September, we are going to have a series called At The Movies. And basically what that is, is every week we're going to take gospel truths, from movies that you know and you're familiar with, and we're going to parallel that with scripture and, and share the gospel of truth from popular movies here in the service. So uh, the reason we're doing this, let me just explain. It's very simple, it's very straightforward. We want you to be able to invite every person you know that doesn't like church, that's been burned by church, that thinks it's old and stodgy and it's not for them. We want you to bring those people during the month of September because this is an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them in a very simple, basic way, in a way that's non-threatening. And so I promise you, um, the first weekend of September, you're going to get here and you're going to realize that we're not watering down scripture. We're not watering down the gospel. We're still sharing the gospel in a way that's very applicable for people that maybe don't know anything about God. Um, One of my favorite passages of scripture is Acts 15.9. And it says, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And this is Paul talking to the Jewish leaders and he just said, guys, we make it way too hard for people who are trying to come to know Jesus. Let's make it as simple as we possibly can. And so what we're trying to do is make it as simple as we possibly can. We're not sacrificing the message of Jesus, but we are trying to convey that message in a way that people that don't know anything about God can receive it. Does that make sense? So what I want you to do There's a thousand of these invites out in the lobby. Grab one on your way out. Let's start inviting people this week. Start inviting your friends, your neighbors. Let's get them here in September and they will hear a life-changing message. I can guarantee you. Okay. We're still good. (laughs) Um, We're in week two of promised land and we started last week and just, I'm not going to recap the whole thing, but Last week we talked about um, the promised land in terms of settling. That there are some people that never made it to God's promised land because they settled for something less than the promised land. And we have a danger in our lives of doing that same thing if we're not careful. I won't rehash that whole message, but I would encourage you, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to that message. You can listen to it on our website and check it out and listen to that because a lot of this builds on each other. Uh, But God's promised land that he had for the Hebrew people, it was not simply a geographic plot of land, but it was something that was ingrained in them. It was a promise that they had with a covenant with God that they knew that they knew that they knew that no matter what they were going through, God was with them and would take them to the promise someday if they were faithful. And today I think God's got a promise for every person in this room, that every one of us have a divine promise from God that he has put before us, that if we are faithful to God, he will help us get to that promise. And that promise is so much more than just a promise of a happy ending for our life. That's not what it is. But that promise can help us walk through some of the deepest valleys of our life. That promise will help us walk through some of the biggest disappointments and failures of our life. That promise will help us Just like it did the the Hebrews when they were in slavery and bondage in Egypt, the thing that helped them was the continual reminder that there's a better day ahead, that God's got a promise for us, a divine promise that this isn't where we're doomed to die. And sometimes that promise is all you've got in your life to hold on to, to say, God, I'm dealing with some junk today. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this today, but I'm holding on to the promise that I've got a better day ahead, that I'm trusting you and believing you and I'm going to make it through this because you have got a promise for me. Does that make sense? That's what we're talking about, and that's what we're looking at today. Last week, we talked about how just plain old settling would keep us from God's promise in our life, and you're going to love this. I know you're going to be excited. Today, we're going to talk about how disobedience keeps us from God's promise in our life. Right now, people are like, let's get our stuff. Go ahead, get your purse. Let's go. Not yet. I promise it'll be okay. Let me look at this passage of scripture first. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. We shared this last week, but let me read it again. It says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Verse 21 says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So I broke it down last week. Let me do it again basically what God is saying is he has sent us his Holy Spirit and we have a guarantee that the promises he has put in our lives will come to pass if, number one, we find our are are yes in Jesus Christ because the answer to every one of our prayers, the answer to every one of God's promises in our life is Jesus Christ. It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now you might be saying, Mel, how is God's promise? I believe God is going to give me a a brand new house. How is that fulfilled in Jesus Christ? Well, that might not be a God promise for your life. That might just be something you want. But if God has put a promise in front of you, before you, then it will be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the doorway by which your promises are met. You walk through your uh, Jesus Christ to get to your promises. Does that make sense? So Jesus is the way to your promise. But the way that happens in that verse, it says, says, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And again, I said this last week, but amen, it means let it be, or let it come to pass, or yes, I'm in agreement, basically. So when we say amen to God, what we're saying is, God, I'm in agreement with you. I'm in alignment with you. So what you want for my life is what I want for my life. So I'm going to line my life up with you. So when we line ourselves up with God and say, God, I want what you want, and we walk through the doorway of Jesus Christ, we're going to encounter our promises. And it's guaranteed. This is what Scripture tells us. It's guaranteed. Now, I'm not promising worldly wealth that you guys will be rolling in cash. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying, if God has put a promise in front of your life, do not give up on it. Do not stop. Do not settle for anything less than the best for you. Now, when I get to scripture for today, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were wandering around in the wilderness. And if you know anything about the desert, it gets hot in the desert, right? And sometimes there's not always water to be found. And a couple of occasions this has happened. But let's look at Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. This is what it says. Now, there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Don't you love that? There was no water, so they said, hey, let's get together and let's talk about our leaders. That's fantastic. That's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, I think, right there. It says, and the people quarreled with Moses. And again, this is a picture of a dysfunctional church right here. They got together and quarreled, and then they fought with Moses. And they said, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord... Why have you brought, a, brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come in, come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain, for figs, for vines, for pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. And this is just a rosy kind of outlook on this, isn't it? <laughs> This is definitely, these people are half, I mean, glass half empty, for sure. They were not positive. There's nothing to be gained from this. And it's interesting when you look at this, because God had already supplied miraculously for them in the past, but yet their memory was so short that what did they do? They fought and complained and griped. And we are no different, are we? We get into a tough situation and we want to go, God, you hate my guts, don't you? You don't love me at all. If you did, I wouldn't be going through this. And sometimes we forget that God has brought you through that exact same situation in the past that he didn't lose his power the last time he did it. He's still capable and able, but the children of Israel forgot that. And then Moses, being the man of God he was, um, he and Aaron, they went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meetings and fell on their faces. They fell on their faces before God, and they were basically like, okay, God, we need you to show up, because these people hate our guts, okay? Okay. We need you to figure out what's going on. We need some help here. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before the eyes... I'm sorry. And spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water, so you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord... As he commanded. Now, I just want to encourage you when you are on the way to your promise in your life, you will encounter obstacles. You are going to encounter naysayers. You're going to encounter people that say, Are you sure God really spoke that to you? Are you sure you can really work in that way? Are you sure you can really become that person God said you can become? And you can say, You know what? You're probably right. I can never become that person. I can never live that way. I can never develop that dream for my life. I can never do it. God's promise for my life, that must have just been me. And you can come into agreement with that. Or when you come into that opposition, you can fall on your face before God and say, God, I need your glory to show up right now. And that's what Moses and Aaron did. They said, God, we need you to show up. I don't have the answer. I don't have the solution. I don't know how this is going to work out. But if you don't show up, I'm not going to be able to make it through this. And too many times we fail to do that. We try to knuckle up and just do our best and walk through it and be a man but what we need to do is say, God, I don't have the answers and I need you to show up and wait for the glory and the presence of God to just infiltrate our lives and, and surround us and support us and gird us up. And that's what they did. And so God gave him very clear instructions, didn't he? He said, hey, go out in front of the assembly, speak to the rock. And when you speak to that rock, that rock is going to begin to pour forth water. Isn't that incredible? I love that. So what did Moses do? Moses, this pillar of righteousness what did he do? He said, it says in verse 10, Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. <laughs> wait, wait a second. That doesn't sound like the love of Jesus to me, right? Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? I might be a little uncomfortable with that statement, right? Like, wow, Moses, that's a little bold. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with the staff twice and water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given to them. Does that seem harsh to anybody else? It seems really hard, doesn't it? basically, God was saying, because you disobeyed me in something that seems like it's not that big a deal, I'm not going to let you go into the promised land of these people. And you look at that on the surface and you think, that seems totally unfair. It doesn't seem right. Why would God even do that? And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But One of the things I need us to understand, this is kind of a big idea throughout this message today, is that our beliefs drive our actions, You do what you do because you believe something. Now, I don't care what you say you believe. What you do shows me what you believe. And what you do is driven by what you truly believe. Does that make sense? So Moses, he was was a good man. He heard what God said, but there was something in him, a belief that drove his action to do something that was contrary to the word of God. Does that make sense? And that's the thing that we need to root out today. That's the thing that I want us to look at and say, what is there in me that acts like that? So that's what we're going to take just a couple minutes and look at. So how are we disobedient to God? And I think that's an easy question because a lot of us look at it and the first one, there's three ways that we're disobedient to God. In my opinion, the first one is we don't do what God desires, right? That's simple enough. We don't do what God desires for us to do. Now you go, well, Mel, that's silly because I don't kill anybody. I haven't uh, cheated on my wife. I pay my taxes. And I'm not talking about the big things. Okay, In the Catholic church, they talk about the sin of omission. Has anybody ever heard of that before? And, And what that is, it's knowing the right thing to do, but not doing it. And Moses knew the right thing to do, didn't he? He knew. God spoke to him audibly, speak to the rock, but he did not speak to the rock. Instead, he struck the rock. He disobeyed God. He was driven by a belief in him to do something contrary to what God was saying. We'll come back to that in just a second. We'll circle around. Um, Now, again, this isn't just a big sin, but I think a lot of times it's us ignoring God. It sounds silly that we would ignore God, but I think all of us at some point in our life have been guilty of ignoring God. When God speaks to us about something, we know we need to do something. Hey, share the gospel with them. Hey, invite that person to church. Hey, pay for their meal, whatever it might be. And we go, ooh, God, I don't have the money to do that. Or man, they're gonna make fun of me. Or what are they gonna say if I hand them an invite card? I don't know. And we don't do it. What we've just done is we knew the right thing to do, but we didn't do it. It's the sin of omission in our lives. And a lot of us are guilty of this. We know what we need to do. We just ignore God and fail to do it. Uh, the book of James is one of my favorites. Um, we, you know, we just finished Philippians. I, we're looking at, I might, we might do the book of James in 2015. I love the book of James. This is what it says in James chapter four, verse 17. It's pretty straightforward. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. It doesn't mean it's a bad choice. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. If we know the right thing to do and we do not do it, It is sin. So what prevents us from walking in God's promises for our life? It's hearing the voice of God, knowing the voice of God, and ignoring the voice of God. It's saying, God, I know what you want me to do, but I'm not going to do it. And it's a serious, serious issue. Because sometimes we compare it and go, well, I didn't kill anybody. Well, no, you didn't kill anybody. But it's still sin in the eyes of God. If you know what's right and you do not do it, it's sin. We expect God to move in the same way he did before, and sometimes that's a problem for us. Sometimes we say, God, um, you answered my prayer in this way before, so this is how I need you to answer my prayer again. God, this is how you've worked my life before, so this is how you need to work my life again. But God is God. He can do whatever he wants, and he doesn't have to answer your prayer the same way twice. He doesn't have to move in your life or in your family the same way twice. He can do totally different things if he wants to. And I think part of Moses' problem was his expectations. He knew what God said. He heard the voice of God. It was clear. But his expectations were different. If you look back at Exodus chapter 17, verse 3, they were in this similar situation earlier in their journey. It says, but the people thirsted, uh, thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and, br- and bring our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord and said, what shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel and taking your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now it sounds like the same exact situation, doesn't it? But it wasn't. They encountered the same situation earlier. And God said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Go down and strike the rock. And I'm going to be there. My presence is going to be there. And the water is going to come out. And I think part of Moses' problem was that he had experienced God in one way. And so when God said, I want you to experience me in a different way, I think Moses had an issue with that. I think there was probably something in him that said, but God, I know this already. I've struck the rock before. And so even though he heard and he knew, it was different than he knew. It was different than what he was accustomed to. And it was hard for him to make that, sh- that shift and that change. And so when it came down to it, I think he went with what he knew. And he was in sin because he disobeyed God. Too many times I think the church is guilty of saying, this move doesn't look like it looked like it before. Now we want revival, but it's got to look like this. It's got to fit in this box. If it doesn't feel like this and look like this, then we don't want it. And I think God wants to move in his churches, not just our church, but in churches across this region in a way that's new and fresh. And I'm not talking about crazy things, but I'm talking about God moving in a way that maybe we're a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe in a way that we go, I don't know about that. But when God moves, it might be a little bit scary, but it always draws us to him. It draws people to him. And I think God wants to do it. But if we're not careful, we're going to miss that. We're going to miss God's promises for us because we say it's got to look a certain way. It's got to feel a certain way. If it doesn't look like it did before, we're out. And God doesn't want that. God wants us to say, it seems a little different. It seems a little weird. I'm not used to this, but I'm going to step out and believe God. I, I know what you've spoken, and I'm going to do it, regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what it looks like. You know, it's interesting in Scripture God did things out of the box through people all the time. Look at Jesus. Jesus could have spoken a word to heal people, but he did all kinds of crazy things. How would you like to have been the blind man that showed up? Or maybe you brought your friend who was blind to Jesus, and Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to heal him. Let me spit in the dirt and make a mud pie, and I'm going to pack it in his eye sockets. How about that? I would have been like, I don't know about that Jesus. I don't know if he needs to spit in the face so much. That's kind of weird, and that's kind of, but what? These people were so desperate. This man was so desperate for a healing from God. He said, I don't care. Do it. Whatever you need to do. It seems weird. It seems crazy. But I'm okay with it because that's how badly I want a healing in my life. We, we see Elisha who laid down on, face down on a dead boy. <laughs> he said, this is what I feel like God's speaking to me to do. I'm going to lay down. How would you like that if you had somebody, you know, you had a wake, you are know, at the nursing home. I mean, at the funeral home, you're waiting, and you're, you're, everybody's sad and then, I walk in, and I open up the casket, and I lay down on the body. First of all, let me just put you at ease. I would never do that. Pastor Dick might, but I would never do that. (laughs) This guy's a weirdo. He looks normal, but I'm telling you. It would freak you out, wouldn't it? I'm sure Elisha didn't feel great about doing it. But what did he do? He said, God, I'm going to obey you, even though it seems strange and it seems weird and I don't understand, I'm still going to do it. We see this over and over and over. Joshua was one of the greatest military leaders of all time. They study his tactics in military schools, even today. But Joshua, when it came time to conquer the promised land and he went to Jericho, God didn't say, we're going to storm the walls, we're going to repel. we're going to climb up, we're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. What did he say? He said, march around and blow a horn that doesn't make any sense. Why? Because God didn't want him to get the glory for it. God didn't want Jesus to get the glory for the mud pie in the eye. God didn't want Elisha to get the glory for this. He did it outside the box so that he could receive the glory. God was speaking to Moses saying, Moses, I want to receive all the glory for this. So I want you to speak to it. And it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about me. But what Moses did was he struck the rock. He heard what God said and he disobeyed. The second way that we disobey the Lord is not only that we don't do what God desires, but we do what we desire. Now, this is open rebellion. This is when we say, God, I know what you want for my life, but I'm doing something else entirely. Who do you think you are to tell me what to do? Right? And it sounds silly that a finite being would tell the infinite God, how dare you? Who do you think you are to command me and show me around? I'm not going to do it, God. Sounds silly, but we do it every day. God speaks to us when we go, I know better than you do. You're not maybe familiar with my circumstances, God. If I act like that or say those kind of things, these people might be offended, so I'm not going to do that because God doesn't know as much as I do, right? But that's the, that's the tact we take. This is not doing what God wants and doing what we want, so it's in direct opposition to God. See, I think Moses, in truth, was probably a little bit frustrated there's commentators that say that it was his anger that kept him from going into the promised land, but I, I truly believe he was frustrated, but I don't believe that's what kept him from going into the promised land. Uh, when we look at this, though, he had to be angry because he called them a bunch of rebels, right? He called them out. He, he, and you don't call anybody re- rebel, especially in a biblical sense, in, you know, in a nice way. I'm not like, Abby, you are such a lo- rebellious little girl. I'm so proud of you. So rebellious. You don't do anything we want. Oh, I'm so proud of you right? He called them rebels. He called them out. Why did he do that? I think he was a little bit frustrated. He was a little bit angry. He was doing what he wanted to do. And he might've been a little bit prideful because again, he took credit for it, didn't he? He said, we got to show up and we're going to make the water come from this rock. He didn't point anything back to God. He didn't say, you know what? This is what's going to happen. You've been rebellious, but you know what? God's going to show up and he's going to bring water from this rock anyway. I'm going to speak to this rock and Lord, the Lord is bringing the water. He didn't do that. What did he say? We are bringing the water from this rock. It was an open rebellion to God. Jonah chapter one, verse one, we're just going to reference this. I love the book of Jonah too. This is one I'd love to preach through sometime. But um, Jonah was this man, um, it's a short little book and we won't get into all of it, but this is what it says in verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So this is what Jonah does. God speaks to him and says, Go to Nineveh, and you better start a revival. Go out. I want you to preach on the corner. I want you to tell them. I want you to go preach to them. They're going to come to know me. You'd think that was pretty exciting. God has spoken clearly. You know what God wants for your life. Now go, right? This <laughs> is This is what Jonah does verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Do you sense a theme here? Away from the presence of the Lord. So this is open rebellion. This is Jonah saying, I know what you want me to do. And not only am I going to ignore it, but I'm going to do the exact opposite of what you want me to do, God. You say, go to, go to Nineveh and preach. I say, I hate those people. I'm going somewhere else. And he leaves. When you look at this in context, uh, in the original language, the, the word that's used over and over and over is went down. He went down. He went down into the boat. He went down to the boat. He went down. We see this several places. Even when he went, descended into the ocean, it says he went down. And this word went down, it's a euphemism for death. And so essentially what it's saying is every step he took away from God's purpose for his life was a step toward death. And for us, the same is true because this is not just about going to heaven. This is about experiencing God's best for your life. And every step we take away from God's presence, every step we take away from God's promise for our life is a step toward death. We are moving down. We're going down, moving away. And just like Jonah, sometimes we think we can escape the presence of God, but we cannot escape the presence of God. God's promise is waiting for us, and we can't be rebellious. We have to continue to pursue him. You know, I don't know, are there any, I know we've got a couple of military people here, over here. There, if you're in the military, you know this. Um, the penalty for treason, does anybody know what it is? Death. The penalty for treason is death. In virtually any nation in our world, if you're found guilty of treason against your nation, you're guilty and and sentenced to death unless you plea a deal or something like that and you'll end up in prison for life. And it's no different in God's kingdom. We have a treasonous spirit. We have a rebellious spirit. We want to do what we want. We know God's God, but we still think we know better than him. And the penalty for treason in spiritual realms is death. And that's hard, and we don't like to hear that, but it's true. When we say, God, I know what you want for my life, and I'm choosing to do something that's opposite of that, what we're saying is, I'm treasonous. I'm rebellious. I know better than you. And the penalty is death. But the good news is you don't have to end your story that way. The good news is Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That just because we've got that spirit residing in us doesn't mean we're doomed to that if we make the right choices. If we say, I'm gonna walk through the doorway of Jesus to get to my promises. So we're rebellious because we ignore what God wants us to do. We, We ignore God's desires for our life. We do what we desire. And the last way that we're rebellious, that we sin against God, that we miss God's promises is, We do what God desires when we desire. Um, Something I tell my girls fairly regularly is that delayed obedience is disobedience. That I don't care if they do what I want them to do. If they don't do it when I want them to do it, then they're disobedient. Does that make sense? We've got a bunch of students back today. And welcome back, IUP students. I love you guys. A bunch of our students are back today. And if you were in class and your professor said, okay, class, here's your syllabus, um, your first paper, it's 10 pages, it's due um, September 7th, okay? I need your paper in that day. If you walked in that day and uh, you said, oh, I don't have the paper for you, sorry. Just, I've been sleeping a lot and tired, and I don't know, to be honest with you, have been playing a lot of Xbox, my hands are hurting, and so it was hard for me to write, I apologize. The teacher might be gracious and say, "Okay, I'm going to give you a few extra days, maybe." But the truth is, if you miss the deadline, you're you're delaying obedience. I'm going to do what you wanted to. So even if you turn it in, you bring it the last day of class. You're like, "Here's that paper you wanted." I'm like, no, it was due earlier. And you're like, but I did it. I did all the work. I don't care. It was due earlier, right? Does that make sense? And some of us live our lives that way. We're we're in constant, constantly delaying God, saying, "God, I'll do it. Just give me some time. Just give me a little bit more time, God." I'll do what you want me to do, but I'm just not ready yet. I'll do what you want me to do, but after I get to this point, I'll do what you want me to do when I'm at this place financially. I'll I'll do what you want me to do when it's a little bit more comfortable or easier. And we keep God at arm's length and we delay God, but what we don't understand is that delayed obedience is still disobedience. We have to do what God wants, how he wants it, when he wants it. A few years ago, I'll share this real quickly, My, my wife and I, um, we were part of a church plant in Fort Worth, Texas and we were planning this church and I was really trying to wrestle, God, what do you want me to do in the future, long term? And uh, this question was in my mind, do I want to be in full-time vocational ministry? Do I want to be a full-time like pastor at a church like I'm doing today? Or do I want to serve as a volunteer, just serve a church really well and I just had this stuff going on, wasn't sure. And we did this fast at the beginning of the year that we do every year and I prayed and said, okay, God, You know, what are you speaking to us? And we got to the end of this fast, and and I'm not somebody who feels like God just speaks to me audibly all the time, but I felt very confident in this fast that God had spoken two things to me. So we finished our fast, we got to the end of it, and the girls were in bed already, and my wife and I were talking, I said, what do you feel like God's speaking to you? And she said, I think God is saying that we need to sell our house, which was our dream house that we built, and she said, I feel like God is saying we need to go back into full-time ministry. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly, I feel like that is exactly what God's speaking to us. This was in January. Um, so I said, let's not do anything. If it's God, you know, he'll show us. Let's just figure this thing out. Let's wait for him. The very next day I was in my office in Fort Worth, Texas. And I got a phone call from a guy. He was an executive pastor at a church in Oklahoma city. And he called and said, Hey, I've been praying about it. And I finally felt like I was released to call you. Um, I want to see if you would interview for this job up here, you know, as our small groups, pastor at our church. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" He said, "No." Oh my gosh! And I felt like this was a confirmation, right? Like, how this had to be God. And so that didn't work out, but I knew that that was a confirmation that God was speaking to us. We need to sell the house. We need to go back into full time ministry. So you would have thought me being the man of full of faith and power that, I, that that day I'd have gone home and put the house on the market, right? So that I, I start sending resumes out. I'm finding God's purpose and plan for my life. No, do you know what I did? I delayed. I didn't delay a couple of days or a couple of weeks. I delayed about well, almost two months. And finally, I was sitting in my office in Fort Worth, and the president, the CEO of the company, walks into our office unexpectedly. How many of you know that's not a good sign when the CEO shows up at your office unexpectedly? There have already been office shutdowns all over the nation, bad economy, 2008. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh man, he walks into the regional vice, manager, uh, vice president's office, and they sit, they sit down and they're talking. And my coworker sitting next to me, he says, "What do you think's happening?" I think they're shutting this joint down. So we're, I think we're all going to be let go. And he he's, "Oh my gosh, and it was really cool. I got to pray with them as a group, and I was the only Christian really in that group of salespeople and all you know, um, headhunters, all these people that were in this recruiting group. And so I got to pray with them. This powerful prayer of faith, and they came out and gave us our severance packages, and that was it. <laughs> and I went home that day, and I had to repent to God and say, God, I'm sorry." I'm sorry that I didn't do what you wanted me to do when you asked me to do it, that I delayed obedience because the fact was I was disobedient. You say, well, Mel, you're back in full-time ministry. I am, but I was still disobedient. God used my disobedience to get me on the right path. We, because I delayed, um, I was out of a job for months, and because of that, um, we had issues with our house. I had two houses. I had a house in Enid, Oklahoma, and I had a house in Texas. We had horrible renters. We got behind on our mortgage because they stopped paying rent. And if I got to pay for a house I'm living in or the house I'm not living in, I'm going to pay for the house I'm living in. (laughs) And it was a mess. And I I can't help but think what would have happened in our lives if I'd have just been obedient to God. Was my life ruined? No. I've, I've got a great life but what could I have been spared if I would have just trusted God and been obedient when he told me to do something instead of putting it off? Psalm chapter 119, verse 59, it says, when I think on my ways, this is David speaking, he says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commands. And when, This is what David is saying. He said, when I think about my life and then I think about your goodness and I think about everything you've done and all the answered prayers that you've answered, all the things you've done. I I turn toward you and I can't wait to do what you're asking me to do because I recognize that blessing lies in obedience, that the blessing I desire for my life, the promises in my life, everything lies beyond my obedience. If I'm not obedient, I'm not going to be blessed. This is what David is saying. And I'm telling you today, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of disobedience you might be in in your life, I'm telling you that blessing lies in obedience for your life. When you do what God is asking you to do, you will be blessed. You're not going to be able to contain what God is going to do in your life when you say, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to delay obedience. I'm not going to ignore what you ask me to do. I'm not going to do the opposite of what you're asking me to do. As strange as it might be, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, and I'm going to see what happens. Because I promise when we test God in that way, when we say, God, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to believe you, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, he will bless. There was a guy named Jay Vernon McGee. He was a theologian, author, preacher. This is one of the things he said, one of my favorite quotes ever. He said, this is God's universe, and he does things his way. You may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. We might question God, why he's asking us to do certain things. It's okay. But you know what it's not okay to do? Be disobedient. When God speaks to us, when we know God's speaking to us, we have to obey. We have to say, God, I'm going to do it. No matter what it might cost me, no matter what it might look like, I'm going to do it. And when we do, God will bless in crazy ways. All of us want to be blessed in our lives. All of us want to achieve God's promise for our life. The way to do that is to say, God, I'm going to obey you. 100%. And I'm going to see what happens. Let's pray together. God, I love you. And I'm so thankful that you love us and you care for us and that you are among us in this place today. And God, I'm asking you right now that you would, Lord, take away a spirit of disobedience, a rebellious spirit that we might have in our hearts today. Lord, even with me, God, I pray that you would pry it out, that you would root it out. And God, I pray that if I truly, sincerely want your best for my life, that God, I will be obedient 100% that I will not hold back a single area of my life from you. And that I'll be obedient with everything you're asking me to do. Lord, I'm asking that you just bless this place, minister in this place. Lord, help us see the true condition of our own hearts. And then I pray that you would just come alongside us to restore us and minister to us and help us be in the place you want us to be. So God, take the next few minutes and just minister here. Now, if you would, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? I'm, I'm... I'm in rebellion with God. I'm not really in relationship with him, but I need to establish a relationship today. I need to begin a walk with him today. And I want to make some things right with him. Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, pray for me. I need to get some things right with God. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Over here on my left, a bunch of hands. Thank you up here in the balcony. Thank you, sir. Who else, real quickly, says, that's me. Pray for me. A couple more hands in the balcony. Awesome. This is what I'd like us to do. I want every person in the room to repeat this prayer after me. This is not the magic solution. What this is doing is basically connecting you to God, but it's up to you to take the next step. So I just want to pray with you right now. Everybody in the room, repeat this prayer. If you're watching online, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, even when I was in rebellion. Please forgive me. Take my life and use it for your glory. I love you. And I'm committed to obey you and serve you for the rest of my life. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna mess up. But I thank you that you love me anyway. Thank you that I can be in a relationship with you today. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Now I'm not done yet.